Welcome to the Resources for Integrated Care webinar, Applying Promising Practices to Advanced Care of Medicare Medicaid Enrollees with Dementia. This podcast is an excerpt from a webinar presented live on February 1, 2017. This webinar is presented by the Lewin Group in collaboration with Community Catalyst and is supported through the Medicare Medicaid Coordination Office at the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. MMCO is dedicated to ensuring beneficiaries enrolled in Medicare and Medicaid have access to seamless, high-quality health care that includes the full range of covered services in both programs. To support providers in their efforts to deliver more integrated, coordinated care, MMCO is developing technical assistance and actionable tools based on successful innovations in care models. To learn more about current efforts and resources, please visit our website or follow us on Twitter for more details. Our Twitter handle is at integrate underscore care. In this podcast, Tishla Curtis, Program Manager for Healthy Connections Prime, discusses South Carolina's Financial Alignment Initiative. I'm very grateful for this opportunity to share from the South Carolina perspective, and uh, next slide, please. What I hope to do today is just to give you a brief background and history of South Carolina and our experience in managed care, and then to to talk a little bit about how that, that history and background really has informed our training approach and other requirements of our Medicare, Medicaid plans. And then lastly, we will just kind of give an overview of some of the early experience and accomplishments of our health plans and also the lessons learned from the state perspective. Next slide, please. South Carolina has operated our home and community-based programs for over 30 years, and so we have a very rich um, history and experience in that realm. Uh, This population primarily serves the elderly and disabled, um, but our Our history in terms of managed care has been much shorter with managed care, mandatory managed care only being implemented in 2014 and then in, I'm sorry, in 2010 and then in 2014 the state shifted to a full risk model in 2014. And even under that model, some populations remained excluded, including dual eligibles individuals who are institutionalized are in one of our waiver programs. And so when designing the demonstration uh, model and requirements, thoughtful consideration was really given to kind of our history and our background as we consider oversight of this population. And then also our maturation into managed care. Next slide, please. While our three-way contract does outline some requirements for health plans in terms of of training, it was really our readiness tool that allowed us to assess the overall plan readiness to support older adults and individuals with dementia. Um, The readiness tool, kind of as we modeled it and worked with CMS, really focused on the unique needs of individuals uh, receiving long-term services and supports and delivery models that support older adults. The outcome of the review was really used to help inform ongoing monitoring and training efforts during implementation. 
during the readiness review process, we did identify some deficiencies among our health plans, and those were related to just simply understanding South Carolina's delivery system in terms of long-term services and supports, uh, reporting of critical incidents, and addressing health safety and welfare of enrollees uh, through the individualized care plan. Next slide, please. And so again, kind of using that information to really inform the next steps, our state, we leveraged our existing partnerships with advocacy groups, academic institutions, and other state agencies to develop a series of trainings to help support our health plans. We worked uh, with the Alzheimer's Association to customize advanced dementia training. And again, this training really aligned with some of the areas of concern that were identified through the readiness review. Uh, we've listed some of the topics that were covered, and uh, we were very just pleased with that partnership with the Alzheimer's Association. This training went for about six weeks. Uh, it was one day training each week, but um, you know, really working together in partnership with, with the Alzheimer's Association to develop training that was really specific to the needs of the health plans was very important. Um, moving forward, we also have a contract with the University of South Carolina Office for the Study of Aging to facilitate training, including Dementia Dialogues. And Dementia Dialogues is a five-session training course designed to educate individuals who care for persons with um, Alzheimer's disease or related dementias. And this is for individuals who are both professionals and are caregivers. This is a program that the state has been supporting for many years and is offered free of charge. Uh, the focus of the sessions includes a introduction to dementia, communication skills, safety activities of daily living, uh, quality of life, addressing challenging behavior, and creative pro problem solving. Uh, this this model, the reason why we chose this model was because it also includes a train-the-trainer module in which the health plans could integrate that into their kind of overall training for their staff. Uh, in addition to the dementia training, we also had training related to elder abuse identification and reporting. And this was really to help the health plans to understand their role in the investigative process and to also understand the role of South Carolina Adult Protective Services. And then lastly, we, we also um, provided training related to end-of-life care, and we really looked at the entire continuum from advanced care planning to palliative care to hospice and how the health plans could help support both their members and, their, and caregivers through this process with an emphasis really on the advanced care planning approach um, to to really help support individuals who still were able to make um, those types of decisions early on, especially those with a mild cognitive impairment. Next slide, please. Um, as we move forward in terms of our, our training, we realized that we needed kind of a more accessible platform for training and um, all you know, other educational resources for our health plans. And so in 2016, we moved to a e-learning man um, management system 
And this really helped us to reduce our training costs. It also provided a centralized platform for learning that included assessment and testing. And so now our health plans have access to this kind of on demand. And so even as they have new care coordinators come on board, they still have access to this information and training modules. Next slide. In 2016, we also introduced a repository of materials on our website. Again, this is really to uh, enable health plans to have access to this information as their staff continues to, to grow um, as the demonstration progresses. Next slide. Uh, in addition to the training requirements, our overall program design also includes other features we were believe are very essential to supporting older adults. Um, we have a unified um, or uniform assessment tool that all of our health plans are required to use, and this was developed by the state. As a component of that tool, each of the plans are required to utilize the St. Louis University Mental Status Examination uh, to identify uh, cognitive impairment, and we chose this um, as opposed to the mini mental state examination uh, because of the SLUM's ability to identify that mild cognitive impairment, which potentially is a biomarker for Alzheimer's disease and may occur in people as they progress from normal aging to Alzheimer's. And again, this was simply used as a screening tool, and it's not a substitute for a diagnosis, but um, it, it helps the health plans to have a better understanding of their their members. The the tool is also used up front in the assess, uh, assessment process, and so if there's an identification of a, any sort of impairment, that would then kind of inform the the care coordinator as to whether or not they should progress with the assessment or involve the caregiver. And another component of our program design was kind of the testing of a palliative care benefit, and this is a new benefit that's just restricted to the demonstration population. Uh, this benefit focuses on pain management and comfort care with the idea of optimizing quality of life for individuals with a serious chronic or life-limiting illness, including Alzheimer's and or dementia. And again, this is a recognition of the kind of the the financial efficiency of using and leveraging palliative care um, for individuals with dementia as we look at the cost of those um, of end of life services for individuals with dementia. It's really it's it's almost doubled compared to those individuals without dementia. And then as a part of our quality monitoring, we also recognize that about 30% of elderly patient hospital admissions are linked to some type of drug-related problem or toxic effect. And so we've included an NCQA quality measure to monitor drug-disease interactions among the elderly. And lastly, um, you know, again, as another requirement, in addition to the required reporting outlined in our three-way contract, the state also saw a need to clarify guidance in the role and responsibility of the health plans in not only reporting, but also investigating serious reportable uh, events or critical incidents. And so this guidance really um, 
kind of specifies the the role of the health plan through the investigation process as well as documenting a detailed resolution. And for us, we identified kind of these critical events as falls, pressure ulcers, restraints, including both chemical and physical elopements, um, suspected abuse, neglect, and exploitation. Next slide, please. We have just completed our first uh, demonstration year at the end of 2016, and so we're still kind of early in our reflection process, but we have asked our health plans to identify accomplishments, promising practices, and challenges that they've encountered with respect to caring for individuals with dementia. And some of those things that, again, this is feedback directly from the health plans. Uh, they all have staff that have been trained in dementia dialogue. Uh, many of the plans have integrated dementia training into their new employee orientation. They're sponsoring dementia dialogue community sessions, and they've really expanded their um, their resources in terms of care their focus on caregivers. Uh, health plans have developed toolkits. Um, there's a greater emphasis on respite. Uh, we also have one of our health plans that's going to be conducting fall prevention workshops uh, this winter. And so, again, we've just seen how kind of creating a, an atmosphere, an environment where the health plans can really leverage their own innovation to take some of the tools that the plant that the state has given them and then to go on to really expand those into other resources. Um, promising practices that have been identified by the health plans include just leveraging this, the state's dementia dialogue program at the health plan level and then also educating and supporting caregivers. Um, as a Additional requirement that the state also requires that each of the health plans have a quality improvement project related to caregivers, and so I think that too has really helped them to to see the need to educate and support um, the those individuals who are helping to care for their members. Some challenges that they've experienced: um, access to care. There are some barriers to institutional respite in South Carolina and then also some limitations on our community mental health centers in terms of being able to support individuals with dementia. Some of the health plans have also experienced challenges with working with family members who may also have dementia. And so just again, trying to navigate through that, um, that situation. Next slide, please. From the state perspective, there have been a number of areas of continu continuous improvement as well as positive experience or promising practices. Uh, I think the first one has been just optimizing existing state resources. Again, based on our kind of limited experience with managed care and with the elderly population being in managed care, it's really important for us to take a look at some of the existing resources in the state. And so we've been able to do that working through the Alzheimer's Association as well as with the university. And then in terms of interventions, I think that we, we still need to make some progress in making sure that there is 
meaningful care plan development that recognizes dementia or any type of cognitive impairment. And so as we move forward with the demonstration, that is something that the state will investigate a little bit more. And then also identifying caregivers. I think uh, Deborah may have mentioned that during her presentation, but even as the, the health plans are completing their assessments, they're, they're challenged with really being able to identify individuals who may not self-identify as caregivers um, in that assessment process. On the clinical side, there's still the issue of the underdiagnosis of dementia. When we take a look at the Medicare claims data for our population, there's only about a 6% rate of um, dementia diagnosis with that group, but when we look at the results of our assessments, we see a greater incidence of, uh, of dementia among, among our members. And then with care coordination, some of the challenges is, you know, for the health plans to figure out how to support individuals who refuse care coordination, and I, th I think uh, Tracy may have alluded to this during her presentation, just the, you know, perhaps the frustration with, um, you know, having a member who, who may still have some cognitive ability to make decisions for themselves and respecting those choices, uh, even if they meet, if that means that they refuse help and so figuring out a way to to navigate through that uh, situation we we recently had a um, one of our members who did refuse care coordination and she was in the midst of a care transition from a hospital back home ended up stealing her daughter's car and was um, was missing for several hours and so again the health plan has to figure out how to fully support um, a member during that such a complex situation. Um, one of the things that we have seen that's been very helpful is, again, using that um, the SLUMS assessment early on in the assessment process to be able to identify a mild cognitive impairment that would you know, again, result in perhaps bringing in another individual to help complete the assessment, depending on the results of the of the SLUMS tool. And then lastly, what we hope to do moving forward is to really drill down a little bit more on the quality side and to focus on the use of seclusion across all care settings, not just in facilities. And, um, and and that's going to take some innovation on the part of the state as well as our health plans. But in general, we've been very pleased just with with our health plans application of some of the tools that we've given them, and then how they've also been able to, in in some respect, organically develop their own pro programs in house and really leverage some of the work that they've done nationally and in other states. Next slide. And this slide just gives you links to various resources that we've talked about during the presentation, uh, including our readiness review tools and some of the assessment tools that we use in our comprehensive assessment. So thank you again for the opportunity to share today.